Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen hands the reins over to guest host, former Chaddock board member Michelle Robison, who is interviewing Karen as an introduction to Karen's next Attachment Theory in Action miniseries, Family Therapy and Attachment Theory. Part two will be released on September 27th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock, and we have a switcheroo kind of thing happening today. I am actually going to be interviewed by a guest interviewer, and I want to introduce her to you uh, in a second. But what we are kicking off today is our series about family therapy and attachment theory. And we have with us Michelle Robison. Welcome, Michelle. So Michelle and I worked together for many years at Chaddock. I would say that she is a person who has really helped me develop and re- refine my own thinking about working with kids and families, many hours of talking and processing, you know, us therapists, we love to process. And um, so She now, uh, although she has moved to California, and um, I'll let her share in a second a little bit of what she's doing there, she remains very involved and connected to Chaddock as a board member of the Knowledge Center here at Chaddock. So Michelle, thank you for hopping in and doing this interview. Tell our listeners a little bit about what you're up to having left Chaddock. My pleasure, Karen, and I'm always willing to help out and uh, do what I can to further education and information about attachment and trauma work. So um, currently, I am the executive director at the Artesia Christian Home, which is a um, continuing care retirement community for seniors. And so I've brought my knowledge and information to the senior world and um, have been able to um, continue uh, learning about attachment and how it impacts people well on into their years. So I'm just happy to be here with you. And as always, love chatting and hearing about um, what's going on at Chaddock and um, what new and exciting things are happening there as well. Yes. And I should also draw our listeners' attention to the fact that we actually have a podcast where I am interviewing you and um, how you have had attachment theory and theraplay ideas and concepts, how you have adapted them to working in the setting that you're currently in. So if anybody out there works with that population, you may want to look up that podcast and, you know, from the cradle to the grave. Bowlby said we all need a safe haven and a secure base so it's not like this information just applies to you know babies or children it's it's all across the lifespan and you're at the other end of that now and i'm so grateful that you're doing that yeah thanks 
it's a it's a true it's been a true uh, journey for me coming coming from uh, working with the kids and moving now into working with seniors and those who have dementia. Certainly, all the things that we understand applies, you know, certainly to their families and and um, I think that leads us lovely in, in a really nice way into the discussion and topic that we're going to talk about today because it doesn't really matter the age, right? It right. really truly uh, family systems and and uh, the work that needs to be done with families or the issues that are going on in families all come up no matter, no matter where people are at in their, in their numbers game. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, moving into um, our discussion here today, Karen, um, what, when did you first get exposed to family systems theory and why did this journey or this begin to interest you? Well, um, I started out at Penn State University in my undergraduate program in pre-law and for a variety of reasons decided that that was not going to be the direction that I wanted to go. So I transferred into the Individual and Family Studies program in the School of Human Development is what it was called at the time. and. I was just so fascinated by how even in in my bachelor's degree, you know, human development and family systems and how these things come together and make a difference. And one of my favorite things in the whole world has always been to just hear family stories, both of my own family and of other people's families, you know, so very early on, I had this intrigue about um, family systems, you know, and then also at that time, there was a lot of literature that was out there about adult children of alcoholics and there was alcoholism present in my own family system so at the same time i was in my undergraduate program i was reading about these family roles sharon wakeshider cruz was writing things about that um codependent no more melanie Beatty, and those people melanie Beatty was writing things And so I was also, even in my personal life, kind of immersing myself into like, how do these systems and roles come together? So that was in my undergraduate. Um, And I don't know if you remember any of that era or not, because I know that you're younger than I am. Do you remember all of that? I I remember hearing about those things. I mean, maybe not as intensely, but I do remember, you know, all of that coming um, up. I was, you know, learning about that later, later on, of course, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then I actually went to my first job out of undergraduate school. I worked at a family service agency. Um, and at that time, it was Family Service of America, and there was family service agencies all across the country um, under this one umbrella. Some of them are different now. They've kind of been bought up by different people. But, but what was really um, significant with that was the therapists at that agency were going to Georgetown University and going to these lectures with Murray Bowen, like the actual Murray Bowen of Bowen system theory. (laughs) 
is kind of incredible. Way, way at the beginning. Yes, yes. And so I remember, you know, I wasn't a therapist at the time because I didn't have the credentials to to be a therapist. But I remember them coming back from these lectures and, you know, um, Bowen said this and Bowen said that and um, Michael Kerr was there and the they were in real time sharing in the 80s some of the thinking about um, Bowen's concepts, um, levels of differentiation in families, um, anxiety in the family system, uh, triangles was a big thing in Bowen theory. And so I was in this like you know, here I am in Lancaster County in this relatively small agency, but I am in this like hotbed of people that are talking about these lectures with Murray Bowen. And, and it was really exciting because I felt like it was like entering me by osmosis or something. <laughs> you were very fortunate to be around so many people who were so excited about that, especially since you were in such a small agency. Yes, yes. And, you know, I even had to, you know, check back with with one of my former colleagues there and say, really, am I remembering this correct? Like, like, were you really going to lectures with Murray Bowen? Am I like making this up? You know, was this real? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We were we were right there in his classes at Georgetown University. So, you know, that was swirling around me. And um, I eventually started my MSW program through Temple University. I started going to that. And that was a very strong emphasis on systems theory overall. Um, And then there was also this course that was like really a turning point for me that a lot of people um, took when we had our summer break from classes in our MSW program. Um, there was another university called Millersville University, and there was a intensive like nine credit family therapy course that you could take there and your credits could transfer into our MSW for one of our electives. So that was another really exciting time. I was with all these young therapists and learning the major family theories. And, you know, we were doing our genograms and talking about our own history and, you know, spending hours together in this intensive summer course. So it just there were a lot of things in my early um, work experience and master's degree and even undergraduate degree that were uh what would you say like fanning the flame of all of these ideas about family systems theory and i completely fell in love with it and sparked so much of your of your desire and ongoing you know goals and yes i remember when i met you um and constantly talking about Bowen's theory. And then I remember when you were starting to talk about what's next, what do I do next? What do I do next? And so, you know, how did you decide, you know, after getting all this information and, you know, moving on in your career that, that you wanted to move into this program that really was focused on family systems? What was, what was leading you to that? Yes. So, Eventually, uh, we moved to the Midwest. Uh, probably, I'd still be working at Family Service in Lancaster County. It has a different name now, but 
I like change, but I don't like job change. Like I like changes within the job, but I don't like like big uprooted, you know, go somewhere else. So, but my husband and I decided to move to the Midwest where he was from. And that's when I came to Chaddock. And when I came to Chaddock, I got a job in what was called our treatment foster care program. And um, I was one year postmasters, so I had a year where I was doing therapy at um, at the family service agency that I came from. Uh, I also had a lot of really good play therapy training there. Um, the gurneys were at Penn State when I was there, and so I was exposed to non-directive play therapy, as it was called then. And so I. I had also had play therapy training and I had this system theory training and I started seeing kids in the foster care program and it was like none of it mattered like nothing I was trying seemed it was like everything that used to work didn't work anymore. <laughs> I don't like that feeling. Um, and so I was like what what is the problem here you know granted i'm i'm not the most seasoned therapist i'm still young i'm still inexperienced but i feel like i was having much more of an impact using these tools in my previous place of employment and then i started obviously recognizing well i wasn't working with foster kids mm -hmm. you know i was working with kids that maybe we're going through a divorce adjustment or um, we're diagnosed with ADHD or something like that. They were generally still in their family of origin and they were just a really different group of kids that did not have all the attachment disruptions and all of the trauma, complex trauma, which wasn't even a term we were using then. And it was, um, just a completely different clientele that I felt like I was really failing with. Well, I remember you calling that inadequate therapist syndrome. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, just, I, I decided that a syndrome, you know, was emerging. Inadequate therapist syndrome. You know, I know today a lot they use the term imposter syndrome. I didn't feel like an imposter. No. Uh, that, that didn't fit. I felt inadequate. And so, um, yeah. And so... I started reading everything I could about children in foster care and um, finding information about attachment and attachment disorder and trauma and just with great zeal reading everything that I could get my hands on about children who had a history like the children that I was working with. And then I, um, I'm trying to think, what, what I'm trying to think if I was exposed to TheraPlay before I started the fam family therapy yeah. program. Yes, you were. Yes. Okay. So you and I were already working together at that point. Cause I okay. remember we were going to do our, our, uh, 
weekly trek. And it was at that time I had just gotten to know you and you were talking about um, this family therapy program. And I was just learning about Theraplay and I'm like, what? She's going to do what? You know, and I just remember thinking, wow, that's so cool. And so, yeah, what spurred that on? So you got yeah, so, so I, I found Theraplay, which, you know, is really pivotal for me and um, helpful. But what started happening was at the same time, I was reading all of this stuff about RAD, reactive attachment disorder, and, you know, the attachment center at Evergreen and how they were doing these really um, uh, controversial, intensive holding therapies and things like this. And fortunately for me, I knew enough from my TheraPlay training and my understanding of child development and my understanding of attachment that like that some something wasn't sitting right with me about that. But at the same time, you know, I was really, really wanting tools. And so I kept reading and kept, um, you know, I remember going to workshops with Foster Klein and Richard Delaney and um, different people. And one day I was just sitting in my office and I was like, what happened to all my family systems thinking that I came to this agency with? Like all that stuff I learned in undergrad, all of those um, incredible discussions about what everybody was learning from Murray Bowen and what he was saying. And I thought I'm, I'm being reduced to like, pathologizing the child and what and I didn't even realize that was happening and I remember you know in in family systems theory the idea is that the child becomes symptomatic like for systemic problems you know so so that whoever symptomatic is representing the family system they're not like the sickest one necessarily in fact sometimes people might say you know they're they're the ones that are being really honest so I, but then I was reading about attachment disorder and this idea that, um, well, these children develop these difficulties in other family systems, not the family system that they're currently in. So like, you just can't, you know, you can't apply any of that. Don't apply any of that. And I, I started So I think that's how I kind of started to drift away and, and, when I had this like awakening in my office, I was like, that is not true. Like there's still things in a family system that matter and are going to impact a child and parenting and um, marriage and and all of that. It, It was sort of like saying, you know, I can pluck you up and put you in a totally different, you know, work system or something like that, but that it won't matter. Like anything that's happening there won't matter. Well, of course it'll matter, you know? It, it, you know, it, it might not matter the same way as in the previous system you were in, but it still matters. And I was kind of alarmed, honestly. I, I felt like I had this blind spot that was evolving inside of me and sneaking up on me that wasn't right and was not fair to the kids I was working with. So I was like, 
I, I need to get like back into family systems theory. I need to do something else that is going to um, keep me balanced. I felt like I had gotten like really out of balance and, um, I started doing research and I found out that Menninger clinic in, which was at that time in Topeka, Kansas was having a satellite training program with former Menninger clinic instructors who had relocated to St. Louis. And I thought, Oh, that's a two hour drive, but wow, Menninger Clinic, like that's big stuff. Like that's where Harriet Lerner is, like the Dance of Anger Lady, one of my heroes. And uh, so I approached Chaddock and um, the, I, I believe that we met every other Thursday all day. I think it was two times a month, maybe sometimes four times a month. And I said, you know, can I have Thursdays to go to this program? And they said, yes, they said, yes. Um, and so I paid for it myself, but they let me use work time to go do that. And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about Chaddock is how supportive they are about people's learning. And so that's what started it. Wow. I mean, that's just incredible that you had the insight to be able to see that you had a blind spot, especially being such a young clinician. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that also speaks to just all of that earlier experiences that you have had with those clinicians helping you along the way to say, hey, you know, because I don't know that every clinician would have had the opportunity no. to do that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know that I would have, um, you know, I think as young clinicians out there, we're like trying to like, there's, we have mentors and we have people that have been doing this longer than us. And we kind of think, well, they're, they're probably right about this. And, um, well, and I think sometimes our naivete, we, we sometimes think we might have found upon, come upon, you know, something and think we are, we know it all. And so I just think that's remarkable that you were able to recognize, you know, the need to further your education, further your learning. And, you know, you are a lifelong learner. And I think that that's a great example, you know, for all of us, even, even at this stage of career to be able to continue to share insights, which is what you've constantly done and what you're doing, you know, with this, this podcast. And I just think that's absolutely remarkable. Um, so I just wanted to say that, but coming back to, you know, the Medicare clinic and family systems and everything that you've learned, how do you condense, you know, all of that into some of the, the biggest insights or, you know, aha moment moments or enlightenments that you had, which, you know, have really helped spurn on continual growth, you know, for your next yeah. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, first, you know, definitely even want to reiterate again, you know, because I had that earlier exposure to a different way of thinking, it was like a safety net for me um, to be able to put the brakes on and think, okay, the, the child's difficulties did not develop in this family system totally get that very obvious right that doesn't mean that there aren't things in this family system that could be either exacerbating the difficulties or um or 
causing them to um, perpetuate, you know, and I, when I entered the training program, it was, it was absolutely the right thing because I, I don't like saying it, but I was missing things. I was really missing things. So I think if there is one thing right at this moment, I would want people to really take away from this is if you only focus on the child and you don't work with anybody else and you don't see anybody else, you're going to miss things because there are things going on all the time in that family system that are very strong patterns at play and you can't understand them only seeing one person and you know this was one of the reasons you know early on that family therapists were so um so strong and dogmatic about you see everybody the parents the kids the siblings like everybody comes in you don't you don't just see one person and you know the the problem eventually became and maybe we'll talk about that in a minute i mean that was complicated and as the medical mod model took over more and more and we're like diagnosing one person and giving them a prescription and you know this kind of therapy is what you do for that diagnosis it was very hard to fit like that whole systems thinking into that medical model the logistics of it the billing of it everything like if i i mean what will we do now we want to see like a parent and four kids we open six files like you know what do we do because sometimes you know insurance won't pay for family therapy so there's all of these i don't mean to get on a tangent with that but i guess i'm bringing that up at this moment i, I do have empathy for why we have evolved that way and understanding but it's not um it's it's incomplete mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is really incomplete and we that's why i wanted to do this series because i feel like a lot of these ideas that we're gonna continue talking about here are not even present in the mind of clinicians anymore you know there was this incredible heyday through the 70s and the 80s and the child guidance clinics across the country and you know everybody thinking this way and yeah there are still like marriage and family therapy training programs but in general day-to-day -day discussions a lot of these concepts i don't feel like anyone's bringing them up well and i think what you were describing was those were stumbling blocks along the way and you had had enough training to know that you needed to problem solve that. And I think, you know, I remember you talking about at one point in your career feeling like you were on a, it was at a different com community or different facility, um, but you were a widget, you know, master. And so you wanted to come back to your roots to be able to really get into the nitty gritty to help the system change because you can't just change one person and expect the rest of the system to fall in line. That's not necessarily how that works. We have to be able to look at all of the people in that system. Mm -hmm. And um, it requires time. It requires mm -hmm. energy. It requires commitment and tenacity. Mm -hmm. And you are the person who, who 
who had the stamina for that. And so I don't know that we are given the amount of time and energy to do that in many situations today. And so how do you help new clinicians or people who are wanting to do the work that you're subscribing to or discussing, you know, move through those processes to, to help do that? You know, you, you describe the, um, the fact that you were missing things and took the time on your own dime, asked, you know, something of your um, agency to give you something extra you know, today's society, it's, it's, that's a really challenging thing to do. So how, how did you do that? What, what were the things that spurred you on to continue to learn more? Yeah. I mean, I think that that is a good question. It's not, well, it's not the most convenient, um, message (laughs) that really you, you need to, um, learn about these other family members and um, consider them. I mean, I do, one thing I will say is one of my instructors from Men in Your Side, even if you're only working with one person, you can keep, you can be doing family systems thinking and family systems work because you're incorporating, you know, everything they're saying within that framework. But that means that you know something about their family system, like you've done a genogram, you've talked about patterns, you know something about their childhood, you you know something about their relationship with their parents. So, I mean, I do think if we, even if we're not doing family therapy in the purest form all the time, um, us in a residential setting, like we didn't have families there all the time, but we can still hang on to that kind of thinking and resist the um, pull to just label the person in front of us as the identified patient, the sick one. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, they might be symptomatic because of other things that we're unaware of that that don't relate to their biology and something that a pill will fix that relate to not only um, family systems but you know now we're talking a lot these days about total sociocultural systems and systems of oppression that impact people's mental health so that's what i would say that Uh, well, I see that uh, we are at our halfway point, and um, I'm excited to continue this conversation with you, Michelle. I love the questions that you're asking, and I love being with you here with you talking about this. And um, folks, please join Michelle and I next week, and we are going to continue to talk about family systems theory and attachment theory and really get into some of the specific concepts of systems theory that, that we have seen in action over the years that we think are important to be aware of. So Michelle, thanks for chatting thus far. No problem. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. 